0: right you have finno and t here with episode three of the market thieves podcast on this podcast we're going to be going over blockchain explaining blockchain we're here with matt today and he's gonna help us break it down
1: Welcome back to the Market Thieves podcast. Today we're going to be talking about blockchain and as blockchain and mining pertains to uh, the rest of the industry, where the industry is headed, and how blockchain can basically be integrated into different systems and companies and industries worldwide to sort of streamline everything um, in investing and such. Um, so today, uh, obviously, you have myself, T, my co-host, Finno Fino, how are you? Well, how are you? Very good. And uh, today we are joined by our good friend Matt, and uh, Matt's gonna sort of take it over and uh, tell how he got into the crypto space himself.
2: Hi, hi guys. Uh, thanks for having me here today. Um, so a, l- a little bit how I got into crypto. I remember I think in college a friend of mine had, uh, had owed me twenty dollars over like a, a lunch or something, and. He, I really didn't care. I said, "Don't worry about it." But he, he wanted to send it back to me in some way, somehow. And so he sent me uh, some Bitcoin, and I didn't think much of it on Circle at the time when you could trade on Circle. And um, I completely forgot about the account, and I didn't even think about it. But I had like, I like kind of followed it here and there, and I'd dabbled and bought some things, and then um, just just was off my radar for like a year or two. And uh, I've I read the headline that Circle was getting out of the trading game, and I was like, oh yeah, I got that Bitcoin. I got to go for I got to get that twenty dollars out. It was like five grand, and I was like, oh, because like, I need, to, I really need to pay more attention to this. And so that that my, my personal interest grew from there. And I was like, all right, well, th- this is this is only going to get bigger and better. And uh, then I get a, a great call from my mentor, and he asked me to come join him at this company called Iconic Holdings, um, Frankfurt-based company, an un- amazing company. Um, they're doing really cool things in the crypto space, um, led by a guy named Patrick Lowry, and. Dominic Ward, um, awesome, and Max. And so they're all there on uh, Frankfurt and Dominic's in New York. And essentially they're creating a multi-manager platform for crypto hedge funds. Uh, a big problem, constant problem you see in the crypto space is these hedge funds have like relatively low AUMs. Um, and on top of that, a lot of that AUM is like founder uh, capital. so And they typically won't meet the hurdles that are needed to be able to raise money uh, at an institutional level. So I think putting them under one umbrella, in which like everything is legitimized and everything is upboard and meets regulatory requirements, uh, is going to be a huge value for people who eventually want to like have access to these crypto hedge funds. So keep an eye out for that with Iconic Holding. Um, but when I joined them, I was uh, working kind of as helping them get their accelerator up and going. Now, unfortunately, that was right when crypto winter started. Um, but it was a, a great learning experience. I loved it. I those, love those guys. They're doing really cool things. Ended up having to part ways from, for like personal reasons, and then I went back into private equity. But still have my eye on crypto and still love it and still think it's the future of everything that we're going to see.
1: All right. Yeah. We're happy to have you on um, uh, to join us on today's uh, discussion. Uh, we're going to be basically um, segueing into the ledger, which is going to be the first portion of the podcast today. Last time we left off with the Satoshi White Paper and just sort of the origin of Bitcoin with Genesis uh, block. But when a lot of people get into the crypto space, they really only think sort of investing in coin and then that's it. They don't really necessarily understand that there's a whole world beyond this and there's so many use cases that this space could have Um, with the cryptocurrencies and the tokens that are built on top of the bones, which is the blockchain. Um, So that's one of the pillars that we want to talk about definitely in the beginning of this is um, before we move into why you should invest um, is the technology that's surrounded by this sort of very uh, new and growing and exciting space. Um, So basically the last time we talked about uh, the white paper, we talked about the ledger. Basically, the ledger, if you will, is a piece of paper that's put inside of a paper box or a cardboard box. The box is what you could call the blockchain. And on that ledger is going to be um, a plethora of things, but it's necessar- It's basically going to be uh, a record and once that record is uh, sealed and signed, sealed, delivered and solidified and verified, uh, you could imagine that box is closed and a box, a new box is placed next to it and opened up for a new ledger to be um, placed inside and verified as well. So this is sort of like the bare bones of this technology, but there's so many different things that you can do with it. And that's where you get into scalability. It's how many places can we take this? Um, but today we're going to talk about what it takes and also the impact that it has on industries for better or worse, but, um, where the space could go, uh, in the future. So I think the the first thing is, uh, to talk about the miners role. So of course, um, Matt had mentioned earlier, you know, back in the day, uh, Bitcoin basically had a, a very small value, which is definitely, uh, night and day compared to what it is now. Um, just a short step into the future. But, um, to sort of piggyback off of that, uh, back in the day, you know, people were able to mine and uh, sell coin on the internet on uh, very simple machines, home computers, etc. cetera. Um, did you know anyone that was mining around you at the time? Um, did the d- the gentleman that gave you uh, the coin instead, was he mining himself?
2: Uh, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if he was mining, but it's, it's funny to think everyone says they were mining back then, yeah. now, right? <laughs> and then they say, oh, I had a thousand Bitcoin, I sold it, and... Well, whether that's true or not it doesn't really matter i think it's it's a, uh, it was a testament i think to people who had a lot of faith and were were kind of tweaking around with technology and, and curious what they could create um mining has like come a long way i think as much as people talk about how much bitcoin adoption has been has, has changed like, mining has kind of like come, taken almost like an inverse thing it's used to be like the people's tool and anyone could do it and, and to to some extent that's still true but the barriers to entry now um and the like large incumbents at play are just are, are kind of mind blowing like you i think you you probably have more facts and details on that than i could never rattle off right now but
1: yeah um so you know as matt was saying the 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 journey of it has come a long way in the beginning and we could just sort of break it down to basics for those of you who are like you know i do hear the term minor come up what actually is it that they do well um It's a community of individuals that uh, host or a host of mining computers um, that solve blocks. So in order for the block to progress forward, um, it has to be solved. And that is the miner's job to solve the block. Um, And rewards are given for solving the block. And it's uh, a very sort of collection of space now Um, it's not necessarily it doesn't have to be the actual coin it could be rewards and tokens and things like that um, to sort of integrate in the community of whether that whatever that blockchain is so um, it's also important to understand that there's different blocks out there now it's not necessarily the block that's attached to bitcoin Um, the blockchain uh, technology spans within many, many, many different coins um, and tokens that are built on top of them. So say, for example, you also probably hear about Ethereum as much as you do Bitcoin these days. Um, their blockchain is totally different. Their rewards are different. The program is different for them as well.
0: One of you guys explained to me, I'm I'm familiar with the proof of work, but when it comes to proof of stake, I understand the basics. How how does that translate when you stake? How does that create nodes and how does that create, say, how does that just solve? So my the, so so the problem that the, you know
2: solving the block. How does that work? So I think the incentive structure around proof of stake is that to legitimize a transaction, you're willing to risk your capital, mm-hmm. right? And so I think it'd be the same as if every time someone did anything in the real world, like let's 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 try and put it in ter- I mean, as much as this is like a new paradigm for anything, mm-hmm. but for everything, I think um, let's put it in the context of the world we live today. It'd be like. You do a wire transfer in order for it to be valid, or like instead of like relying on the bank, it'd be like you found thirty people to put up twenty bucks to say it's legit, right? I think that may be like a gross oversimplification of it, but that's kind of how I think of proof of stake, and and that makes a lot of sense. And, and then you reward the
0: incentive that the tr- like a transaction fee is that what is yeah, still similar? Were, yeah, but
2: you reward them with the you reward their stake with like your fees on mm. the chain, so. um, but so, like, let's think about that creatively. Is that like okay? So, which one would you be more willing to participate in? Right. So, would you be willing to like be constantly staking your tokens to make the system work, or would you be willing to run a node to make the system work? Well, because I- when I think when I think about the, the the how these things will grow, it's like it's about people participating, right? So like, uh, people get discouraged because they don't want to run a node because it's too small and it's just in there burning a bunch of and they probably won't make money on it but right. i think there is like a like um like a, a social kind of responsibility if you do believe in crypto to find some ways to contribute to the ecosystem and i think if that means like running a lightning network lightning node or something like that that's that's great and that that would be my call to action for anyone and, and i'm still trying to get mine as like as sufficient as, as possible but it's fun that it's fun to do it. And, you, and you learn more i think it gets you excited and you want to be learning more as much as you can because there's so much to learn in this space.
1: Um, And could you sort of explain what that entails as far as like you getting into that space? Um, Like for the viewers, if they say, for example, wanted to also answer that call.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think there is, you could, yeah, you could go out and probably drop like a couple thousand dollars and get a full GPU rig and mine away and just churn electricity out like no other and, and do that and and some people should do that and people will get pleasure out of doing that and, and join a mining pool and get rewarded and do the proof work and all that but and then there's also like you could go maybe like for like two hundred dollars you can go buy like a raspberry pi and help run the bitcoin lightning network
0: and that would also be a learning experience but so mining is the process of confirming transactions on the blockchain and what that process is is solving cryptographic hash puzzles which is way above my pay grade so just really hard puzzles that a computer could solve and it is the more mining power that is put into the network so saying the more the more people mining the more computers that are in the network the harder it is to quote unquote solve the problem and what this takes care of when you talk about mining is well, in the case of bitcoin or say proof of work it helps keep inflation in check. So, the you know, you have incentives go down when they have the halvening every, is that four years? Kind of, yeah. So yeah. there's, what the theory is, is there's more as time goes on, as we get closer to the end of hitting the, the supply, we have more computing power on the network. And so what that does is for someone like me who thought I could maybe grab a rig a couple months ago, I have to fight, oh, let's say like a country that has thousands, tens of thousands of rigs in a warehouse running off energy that's way more efficient than me just paying for my electricity bill at the house. So they might be able to do, say, let's just make an easy number 10 Bitcoin a week when I probably might be able to do that in six months if I have the power to run it.
1: And you also have to take into consideration that this the edge of difficulty moves forward every so amount of blocks. So for, for Bitcoin, every 2,000 blocks, which at this point is about every 14 days, um, you know, protocols and, um, adjustments are made and that,
0: and that, and that's because, you know, when you were talking about the ledger, you know, when you're still creating a new block, Everything on that ledger from the very first transaction gets carried on and keeps moving forward as we keep going So the difficulty of that
1: it also adds a sense of security So it doesn't necessarily give people mm-hmm. enough time to sort of figure out ways to game the system
0: Yeah, I mean
2: I think I would challenge you to have a more collaborative mindset on it I think yeah, you could be if you're one against the world trying to think you're gonna mine the next block like good good for you like good luck, but I think the idea should be more like oh like I can more my rig can make the system stronger right and you can join a mining pool and share exactly. rewards and I think that's more the upside then
0: Yeah so now that we talk about that we could I mean from the beginning in 2009 when it when it all started you would have CPU mining so I would have my laptop or my computer at home and you know maybe I I was p- paying rent and utilities were included I could mine it was very easy the difficulty was very low at the time. There was less nodes on the network trying to solve these problems. So very easy. Let's say two years down the road, you have something called GPU mining, which would be like when, you, when you're a gamer, you have these graphics cards, which would be about 30 times the processing power of your standard CPU computer. And that, that went on for a few years, and it was successful, so you could still individually do it. I would say, you know, collectively. Maybe everyone in the house has a has a computer and they all, mm-hmm. you know, divulge their time to that. And then shortly after that, something called FPGA mining. Let's just say it was 100 times faster than a GPU. And you would connect this external piece to your computer that you would run. And then, like, like I said, 100 times faster. So maybe, you know, you had four gpus running the house now you have one of these connected and you could still maybe individually be successful and then around 2013 you had something called asic which are now specific pieces of equipment that are made specifically for mining and we're talking well that stands for application specific integration circuit circuit and that's now the current standard that we see So the past seven years, now you have big companies putting thousands of these computers together. And this means that the number of new miners goes down, but the number of computers you could, you know, do the work for what you had individually back in the day. And then that could bring you to a point now, if you were an individual we have there's now mining pools which you can bind your computing power and you know maybe most of the, a normal individual have a cpu or gpu where you save up money and you get an asic and you join this pool and depending on the hash rate that you contribute and we're talking big numbers for some of them small numbers for other, but whatever percentage of the power you put in is the percentage that you get back when a new block is solved for the mining which is a common way now and that being said there are several ways you could do that there's cloud mining which is kind of sketchy you could even if you wanted to run mobile mining on your phone and then there's some new stuff going on where you know called web mining where people actually will say hop on you're playing Halo online or something, and they could hijack your computer speed and run off of your own computer. All of those are three, not the most profitable ways. I would even say mining pools aren't the most profitable, but for an individual to get into that space, that is the easiest way for access.
1: Yeah. I mean, that basically sums it up like A to Z perfectly. Um, and just to sort of give people that are listening an illustration, most of the mining farms now will sort of take uh, what Fenno mentioned, sort of like a, if you could imagine a gaming computer, but the only thing you put in it was uh, six GPUs or in that case, um, or, you know, for those of you who game on a PC, sort of taking a computer case and putting six GPUs inside of them, um, and then taking that and multiplying it by, you know, hundreds and thousands. And, And that's sort of what you get the visual halls of what these large farms look like. Um, And then a lot of them will also run their own software. So say, for example, you're thinking, man, that's gotta be a absolute nightmare to have that many GPUs, which would if one of them goes faulty. Well, most of these mining farms that mine on that scale um, will use their own software. So say, for example, if one GPU is faulty, Uh, it does mess with uh, the operation so what it will do is what the software will do is it's gonna highlight that GPU particularly and you know depending on how the people organize uh, the farm they could just simply go down that aisle and uh, pull out that computer in particular and fix that GPU so when we think about mining um, even on a, a scale that large you know you could think that that is cumbersome but Um, if you have the wherewithal take the time to take a look at how uh, these farms are set up it's very impressive uh, for what the space is at currently Um, most of them are going to be sort of in colder climates um, if they have the ability to do so in that particular nation Um, and then you're also going to be taking a look at places that electricity is um, extremely cheap uh, like Matt was mentioning in some points earlier Um, so you know it's not to discourage people from not mining but you also have to take a look at where the space is um right now and as finno was mentioning you know it's either going to be mining farms like this that are developing or producing extremely high uh hashing power or you know as matt mentioned earlier having the wherewithal to take it uh the responsibility in your own hands and contribute to the hashing power of a group of people who come together um, to, you know, keep moving this thing forward. And that's what makes this space so special is it's that it's really up to everyone to keep the space moving forward um, and to not get discouraged and not do it. Otherwise, sort of uh, the blocks don't necessarily uh, get solved if, if people just sort of threw their hands up and, and said no more. So um, whether you're on the side of uh, being in a farm, working in a farm, or you're, you are just sort of, I guess we could consider it at home or um, a minor, then you're just, you're basically contributing to this space altogether regardless. Um, But, you know, some key highlights is, I'm pretty sure most of you have read articles about how much power it takes to run a farm like this, how much power, how much electricity it does take to, uh, you know, run something at home. Um, And we also you know before we start making these points we have to recognize that this space is so young and at one time all technology was cumbersome before it was you know sleek and sexy so matt did you want to add anything or
2: i just had a question do we know like do we know how much uh, of the mining rewards are kept versus sold or? like say for
1: the bigger projects a lot yeah. of them were very like tight-lipped about yeah, yeah, yeah all of their numbers and things like that um and I think it was most of the articles I read because it was because of investor interest and things like that. Um, you know, if we, if we scaled it down to like what someone is rewarded for, or what a group of people are rewarded for, for mining a single Bitcoin, um, some of these bigger operations are, are mining like 600 or 700 uh, Bitcoin a month, um, you know, 20 Bitcoins a day. So I mean, the price that Bitcoin's at right now, that's a lot of money. Um, and it's also a very, very expensive feat to even run something that large scale. Um, one of the facts that I have was uh, stumbling upon was uh, the mining farm in the United States up in Seattle, gigawatt, um, to run that operation is $1 million plus per, per month. Um, is his rent and his uh, fee of getting and keeping the whole thing going, his overhead costs essentially. So really the only solution is to look for solutions. So um, most countries are looking to colder climate areas. Say for example, um, some of the largest farms in China are up in the mountains. Um, We also have a really large farm in Iceland called Genesis Mining. Um, Obviously more cold climates. Um, Taking a look at spaces and places that we haven't necessarily utilized um, like antarctica the different outlook versus just basically having this huge carbon footprint and not doing anything about it but also trying to i wouldn't say push but trying to introduce this technology to other people and um you know having this conversation as well because we can all say that we live in a world where We should care about the planet, um, you know, not to get a little political, et cetera. But that is one of the bigger drawbacks that people have when you you, (laughs) when when you do introduce the space to uh, individuals, you know, because we do deal with a lot of sensationalized journalism. And of course, they're going to, um, you know, sort of point out these things. So, you know, to sort of combat that is that it's not not it's not something that's Making this footprint and nothing's being done about it. I think everybody that's in this space understands that it takes this much, and we are, um, you know, trying to come together to look for solutions for it.
2: How much of that is like hardware, like not being optimized for this yet, versus, um, like I, I imagine if you're running a, a giant farm, it's more efficient. In the, in the, well, this, is, kind
0: of this, way, is, this is my, my, my little two cents on it you could say well let's talk about mining like in general like you know there's mining where we we strip mine and we rip apart the environment the physical environment that we see and you know when when we talk about environmental impacts for me the key thing is like is it wasteful is it being used efficiently if you look at mining and we're looking for gold if we're looking for coal whatever it is um, and we're stripping away the environment physically I think that's very wasteful but When you have something, say, like Genesis where or somewhere in Russia or something that's up in the mountains, out of the way, it's in a nice, let's call it like a nice barn-looking warehouse. Yeah, we're using the energy consumption, but is it being wasted? If it's there on the grid, is it being wasted? It's being paid for. It's being taken care of. It's not an eyesore. It's not degrading the environment per se. We're not... You know, like that—that's—that's that's my big argument, and what you were just saying, and I don't know what you're alluding to, but that's—that's that's how I was—that's uh, how I conceptualize. No,
2: I don't disagree. I mean, I think we have to think of a, uh, Let's look for like I had like 15 years, right? Let's assume we move to a cashless society. Like, how much paper will that save, right? So, um, if you if you look at Bitcoin from that perspective yeah i would like to think it's only going to get better and like you had mentioned earlier every every technology at some point it's like wasn't pretty or had some challenges like i wouldn't want to be the first guy who tested the elevator but like i'm saying <laughs> right like, um where bitcoin's going I, it, it has to get better right because i i, th- I think the technology is, has proven that it's it's the best way to do it and i think it's the most secure way to do it so the question and maybe the next the next uh big wave will be hardware efficiency, right? And so, cause this isn't so much of a software issue. It's more of like, well, to some extent it is because I think you have the difficulties of the, blocks locks is kind of been pre- pre- predetermined in the kind of set. So you can't really change that. So we gotta look at the lever, the levers, 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 levers. levers? I don't know. We can pull yeah. to, um, to, to make it better, right? So and
0: I like, I like that. And you know, with time it like, they become the computers now you know there's specific uses for them and then I think it becomes a a geographical issue at the at the next point then is when you have that when you get that technology that's specific for exactly what you need efficiency wise and power wise and everything like that you just look at there's plenty of areas and locations with excess energy there's plenty of areas that have abundant natural resources so I, Iceland's an ideal place it's geothermal you know you're using you're using all this stuff that's given to us and it isn't in, in abundance which is you know and if you want to use it and not and use it in the right way and use it for something that is good I think that's you know it, you'll just slowly see these places like Iceland becomes a hub or I know like Texas right now is looking because they have cheap energy <laughs> And uh, so I mean, that, I mean, that's the thing. Like you said, if, you know, if you want to talk about what goes on with mining versus what goes on in traditional banking and you have to think of you have the banks, you have all the bank servers, you have the ATMs. So what's the energy consumption there? And then you have to think of, okay, well, when you go to the bank or use an ATM, what do you do with that receipt? Where does it go? That is the wasteful part that I see that blockchain, Bitcoin, whatever you want a crypto, that's what I think saves face on. And then you know, and that has the the correlation with that is you use more energy, but you could find it in a more useful, meaningful, less wasteful way.
1: Yeah, and and, and it goes back to the saying: "It's like where there's space, there's opportunity." So, like, you know, the guy that uh, runs the mining farm in Washington State is currently taking the sort of. Um, v- value that he's gained, um, the knowledge that he's gained from running a farm of his own to try to develop his own GPU, um, also with the capital that he has come um, into over the last couple of years of of owning his own farm. And I'd like to believe that most of the larger farms are taking a look at that to say like, okay, how do we constantly improve uh, the space? And like Matt was saying, it's not necessarily a software issue, it's a hardware issue. So, you know, what about, and this could be something that like is p- probably impossible now, or it could be possible or it's something that someone's working on, but uh, GPUs that run on electric on a less electricity or something that's a little more streamlined. That's not necessarily using so much power um, because they have to have so many inside of one space or um, instead of using six GPUs having um, larger ones made that are, probably something that's so new that we haven't ever seen i mean i know in the gaming space the graphics cards tend to um continuously move forward in technology so i'd like to believe that in the crypto space um depending on what cards or what hardware they're using you know those those pieces of technology continuously uh, move forward in a way where it's just like each time it becomes less and less cumbersome it becomes less and less uh Wasteful, if you will. Now, there's other facets of this. I know you wanted to go over.
0: I was gonna say I I had healthcare is a good one, and I was gonna completely integrate that with the supply chain of drugs. And you could talk about like the vaccines right now. Yeah. And you, you have a problem with excess vaccines or all this kind of stuff. And you know you you keep you just record the trades and the transactions the the distribution the creation on the blockchain and that's a fully transparent verifiable record and you know you could even do that you know i had an example like say diamonds you want to get rid of blood diamonds quote unquote this is another thing that would help with the supply chain from when it gets mine to when it hits the the hand when you get married or something like that you know that's that's a big thing and i also think one of the biggest issues and it's kind of cool to see like how bitcoin's been accepted into like more third world countries like especially in like Africa or somewhere in South America that property records. You know, when when there's turmoil within the governments or in federal, local levels or whatever it is or not, your or your you know, your family owned this plot of land since the beginning of time. Uh, it would cost down on the the title research on the insurance for the property. You know, it could it help you prove ownership in unstable places, and you know it it, it helps with prosperity and, and these you know with in places where it's hard to make a dollar. You have, but you have all this land, and to, you know this is something that I think is a is a great issue that blockchain solves in being available to the people. You know. And then, Kudzi could speak on this more, because this is pretty much how he, a big way how he got into it is remittance, you know, like you go to the bank, and I want to take out $50, and the, they're going to charge you $60 to take <laughs> that $50 out, and, you know, he, he could speak later on that, but that's that's another one, and one that's big right now that i'll just speak on because that's what's going on it's intellectual property especially for artists or creatives where you know you could ensure compensation for creators of value by using smart contracts and that's why we see these things right now nfts with digital pieces of art being created on with smart contracts and you're seeing artists create wealth that's as high as it's ever been for a living artist currently so those are just a few things and I mean it's pretty crazy. I didn't really understand when I was buying in the crypto and whatnot and once you dig in the blockchain it makes it really interesting and you wanna keep digging and seeing what comes up, what you can learn and yeah, like Matt said before, it's it's growing and it's it's fun to it's fun to do the research.
2: I am bullish on, on like I think uh, using the blockchain to replace ledgers. I think there's so many use cases I think like licenses and Birth records and things like that like you, you lose like your birth record it's a headache to get a new one social security but, card yeah all yeah, yeah all that but i think there there's like there's a legitimate argument about the oracle issue so the oracle problem being is that something is legitimate on chain doesn't necessarily mean it reflects like the real world actions of it so like to your point about a blood diamond like it doesn't take much for someone to punch in that this was sourced from here and then forever it's immutable on the blockchain then yes something that's not necessarily entirely authentic so I think you're going to have that issue and, and and it's not an issue to be discouraging because like right now the alternative is a piece of paper and someone's saying that's true. So That's like uh, those
0: these yeah. NFTs, like what's, you know, you could duplicate this. How do you verify it or how do you know it's a legitimate original piece or like, you know, like that's that's a good point.
1: Yeah, we're
2: doing NFT just to make sure listeners know it's non-fungible tokens. And so um, a non-fungible token is typically associated or tied to um some 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 item or artwork uh and the token legitimizes that piece as being the like only one or the one of a limited run and so um and because it's tied to a token as a transact you can follow the lifetime of that artwork um compared to like today's world where if an artist makes a piece and they sell it at auction, let's say for like a thousand bucks, and then, million and then, uh, ten years later, someone buys it for fifty million bucks. The artist gets really not much, other than kind of the notoriety for the next pieces. Um, well, it's not necessarily like the best way to do things. Um, I think it cuts the creative out of like their rewards. Um, I think where I, I do see an exciting use of NFTs is in music, right? So like, um. Y- you don't buy albums anymore but if you were to like create nfts for token to, to or tokenize albums like and then you could actually revert to a world where you stream and buy albums and then the people who buy the album could like potentially profit off the streams of the album they own. And there's just so many things you could do with it right so like but where i'm going with this is is to, going back to where i'm going to the oracle issue right so um until I think we have a sensor related world, or like everything can be recorded in the physical world onto into the digital world. I think you're going to have issues with that, right? And so, knowing that, it, I'm much more excited about things that are um, physically immutable. Like I can't pick up and take like your farm, right? Like if you do what, say
0: that, the, the you on this topic, what what's the first that you see? gets accepted into the use of a blockchain, do you think?
2: Yeah, so I think things that are tied to, like, your biometrics, like, it's very hard for you to say you're not you, right? Like, I think that's important. Um, I think land uh, is, is huge, um, particularly in places where it could be easily disputed. Like, you have situations all the time where someone living on the land and then someone else bought the land and then someone else says they own the land, right? So, like, you, you have that happening all the time. So, like, that's it's a great... Use case for that um, uh, academic records. I think is, is helpful. Um, you do see like people trying to deal with that. Not like not mom, to get to mom and dad
0: would be happy with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah but
2: I also think about it like, um, and this is actually a, this is one that I heard a couple years ago. I wonder, I forgot the name of the start of those were guys. but they're trying to create. They were trying to create an international credit score on the blockchain. So like, if you leave like the U.S. and go move to another place, like your credit score doesn't necessarily go with you, and so you can have like some serious like challenges. I mean, obviously there are solutions to this that exist, but imagine a world where it's like, okay, like my credit score is as good as he's here as it is abroad. Um, and that's like, that's just helpful for people. Um, I think things like that make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, I, I can, I think the Oracle issue is the question you always have to think like, okay, like is this, it's, it's, yeah, it's probably better than like the piece of paper certificate that you're running around. But is it completely solving the problem? And I think, as if you're honest about that, you're like, no, there's still ways to go. And but this is where I'm bullish, right? I think there are a lot of smart people working on a lot of like things that are just going to blow our minds that can solve these issues, right? So um, it's not to it's not to say pencils down. It's more to say like we everyone should be taking creatively about it.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast explaining blockchain if you want you can go follow us on social media we're starting to get that going it's on twitter and instagram it's market underscore thieves you can find us there give us a follow and hopefully we'll be getting that up and moving with some more information shortly